This is Taylor Talk, the number one Taylor Swift podcast brought to you by taylortalk.org. What's up, Taylor Nation? Welcome to another episode of Taylor Talk, the Taylor Swift podcast. This is episode 142. I am Adam. I'm Diane. I'm Sammy. And I'm Steve. Whoa, we have Steve. Yay. I, w- I was going to make a joke about who's Steve, but that joke's just getting old every time Steve yeah, returns, really we make is. it. And... Well, hopefully he'll be back for a while so we can like not say the joke anymore, and Steve will be here, and it'll be awesome. What's up, Steve? You've been, you've been working, huh? I'm working, and I've been busy and everything else in between. It's, it's good times, but um, I heard we're talking about the stock market today, so I figured yeah, I'd join awesome. this episode. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, the stock market has uh, been going up and down, and... Uh, I think it's mostly down these days. <laughs> oh. No, that's not what we're talking about, of course. We're talking about Taylor Swift today. We're going to be talking about, well, something interesting. You guys will have to sit back and wait. I've been dying to talk to you about it, but it's we just, wait We minutes. decided this, like, what, Monday, Tuesday? Yeah, I think we decided it, like, as soon as we stopped recording last week. We're like, <laughs> yeah, okay, I mean, this is it. Which is I mean, exciting this... because usually we're like, so what are we going to talk about? And now we have a plan and we're happy about it. About it and no, I'm awesome. pretty sure I texted them and I was like, can we do this, please? 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 Yeah. <laughs> All right. So now I, I just I wanted, I wanted to share something with you guys. See, I had a dream the other night and um, it was a lot more interesting at the time I had the dream. And you guys are going to be like, oh, that's lame. But I thought it was a cool dream. So I'm going to share it. Basically what happened is in this dream, it was Mama Swift's birthday. Okay. And for some reason, Mama Swift wanted Taylor to start her show late so she could do something for her birthday. So she paid me $1,000 to go distract Taylor and make her late on stage. (laughs) I I, I never said the dream made sense. (laughs) You got $1,000 out of it. That's good. Uh, A dream thousand. Dare I ask what you distracted her with? I yeah, we just hung out and, and talked, and I just that was it. Somehow, I don't think Taylor hanging out with Adam would distract her from a show. Just a thought. Unless what he, if like, they have interesting long conversations? Long. I think Thanks, she would Steve. be like very intellectual she, goodness. You thank know? you. About the she would be like, "Hey, yeah, hold this conversation. I'll be right back in like two hours." Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Okay, whatever, Sammy. And then one more announcement before we actually got going with the episode is you guys are all going to make fun of me for this, but I want to wish a very special happy birthday wish here on the show. My chocolate lab, Hershey Kiss, is 13 as of this oh. past weekend. Aww. She turned 13, and because that's the magical number in the world of Swift, I had to wish my dog a happy birthday publicly. Happy Isn't birthday, that Hershey? like... Really old for a dog? Yeah, about like 200 or something. Yeah, it's really old. And my poor pup, she I, I've had her since she was born, and she like is limping down, has arthritis, and can't see very well or hear very well, but she's as sweet as ever. So. Aww. Aww. Well, happy birthday, Hershey. She says don't, thank you. Or she barks it, rather. Don't feed her chocolate cake, please. Try not to. Ugh. So, getting back to Taylor Swift, Diane, what's been going on in the Taylor news lately? Well, Taylor and her parents attended a private screening of The Giver in New York City this week. I'm jealous. Me too. That would have been cool. Um, Taylor tweeted, honestly, I can't believe I got to be part of something so poignant and beautiful. My head is spinning. Oh, sounds like a good movie then, huh? I'm excited. I guess we'll find out. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then also Taylor spent the weekend in Rhode Island. On Saturday night, she met a fan when she had drinks at the fan's uncle's house. No clue who the fan's uncle is, but how cool would it be to have Taylor Swift spend time at one of your, um, you know, at your house? That'd be super cool. That would be really awesome. <laughs> Didn't she go lie. out to dinner recently with Steven Spielberg, too? Yeah. I heard and, that. And his wife and his stepdaughter and her crew awesome. maybe spielberg <laughs> maybe spielberg's directing the music videos for the next album <laughs> taylor's made it or, that big or taylor's gonna be like you know in like the next transformer movie but you know directed by him <laughs> speaking of spielberg did you guys totally off topic but did you guys see that viral photo uh of him with the, where they thought they ki- he killed a dinosaur yeah and people were <laughs> ripping on him it was a photo of him on the set of jurassic park which he directed next to a completely fake dead dinosaur that Why was made for the movie. Why would people rip on him? Because they were calling him, well, an a-hole and things of that sort for hunting. Oh, it's a dinosaur, it. not real. You can't kill a dinosaur <laughs> even if you tried. <laughs> like, who are these people? Real brilliant people, that's all I'm going to say. I guess so. So, Sammy, what's Taylor got coming up soon? Um, well, we just want to remind you, as we always do, to vote for Taylor for the 2014 Teen Choice Awards. She is nominated once again for Female Artist, Female Country Artist, and Choice Smile. The Choice, uh, the Teen Choice Awards air on Fox on August 10th, and you can vote every single day on TeenChoiceAwards.com. And change your age if you're over the age of th- blah, 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 blah. <laughs> what Sammy has said like 20 times in past episodes. Okay, <laughs> do that. Um, Just and go the with the other thing we have to add is that the world premiere of Taylor's upcoming movie, The Giver, is on August 11th. You can set up a charity page to get people to donate to various causes, and the top 10 donating fans receive tickets to attend to the world premiere and the after party with the stars of the movie. We assume Taylor will be there, but we don't know, but I would assume that's good because she tweeted it. Um, for more information and to go create an account or go donate to other people's accounts, you can go to crowdwise.com slash the giver for the number four. Good. That's a really cool idea. That's a really it clever is. promotional. Uh, it's not it's so very specific as to what the causes are that you can donate to. I assume that they just, you know, spread the money over whatever their causes are. But it is very cool. Um, and you know, you can donate yourself or you can have other people donate. I know that there are lots of pages going around. It doesn't include airfare or accommodations. So you have to live in the New York area or, you know, pay for it yourself if you want to do that. But, um, yeah. Well, okay. Or you can come stay at my house and take me as their plus one. (laughs) (laughs) Sammy's like, I'm in New York. (laughs) I live here. I have a couch. (laughs) <laughs> all right well thank you for the news and calendar uh diane and sammy appreciate it love keeping up with what's going on in the world of taylor because there's not much <laughs> these days not much going on at the moment yeah. except for this Da-da. thing yeah except, except for, for this brand thing which this is probably the biggest news to happen lately in i don't the world know if that don't go there and people are gonna freak out on you for no reason <laughs> freak out on me taylor has announced album five no don't do it adam <laughs> <laughs> You just, I, bet, I, I bet you oh, made someone no. scream or fall over or cry or do something or all of the above. Okay, I made that up. <laughs> I don't, Adam. Do not believe what I just said. We I don't, don't believe anything you ever say, Adam, um, so anyway. it's all good. Steve, ouch. <laughs> that hurts, buddy. 
So now the real topic is going to be so anticlimactic. Yeah, no, really so the real is. thing we're going to discuss is something I've been very excited to discuss with you guys for the past week. Unfortunately, it came out like literally right after we released last week's episode, so it had to wait a whole week for us to talk about it with you guys. But most of you have probably already read Taylor wrote, and what do they call it, an op-ed, like opinion yeah, editorial? Yeah, I would call it an ed- ed- editorial, yeah. Yeah, so so an opinion editorial for the Wall Street Journal where she talked about the music industry and the direction it's going in and how she is, is planning to adapt and change and things of that sort. So what we did is break down the article for you because there's a bunch of different great nuggets of information. Yes, I did say nuggets. <laughs> I think that's a good way to describe it. <laughs> there are. There's some unbelievable information in here. So let's just tackle the topic here about music's changing landscape. Taylor, of course, starts the question – Starts the article with the question, where will the music industry be in 20 years, 30 years, 50 years? So, I, I, I don't know. What do you guys think? About- I think that's a cool way to start the article because I know a lot of people think that things will go downhill because, you know, you can get songs for free online. So, it's kind of like, what's the point in... Um, making music if you can't get paid for it because if like you know if if it's so it you know like if it's so like if you can get songs online like you're not going to pay for them so it's like what's the point in making music you know like i feel like that's sort of where she started the article and then turned it and was like no but there's still like hope there's right well she started it with with where the music industry has already gone in which it's moved to completely digital and online piracy and things of that sort. And as everybody knows, and I hate to say it, but it's been going on for years. Even when Taylor has new music, it leaks all the yeah. time. Oh, yeah. People can get it for free online. But what I found very cool is a quote that she said in there. And um, Sammy, I think you agree that this quote's pretty awesome. The yeah. value of an album is not going down but is based on the amount of heart and soul an artist has bled into the body of work. I think that that's that's very true because, I mean, for me personally, unless I feel that strong connection to the artist or the music, I'm not going to go out of my way to pay for it on iTunes. I'm going to go onto YouTube and I'm going to rip it. Right. And, you know, I don't like admitting it, but, you know, I have I'm a very, like, specific kind of person i need to feel something from that music in order to go out of my way to spend my hard-earned money even though it's a dollar 29 like you know that dollar 29 can be reserved for you know an artist five gumballs yeah exactly it's good for five gumballs (laughs) and um you know you know a lot of artists go out of their way to make sure that their music isn't on on youtube for that exact reason which i do understand and respect for that exact reason um but i think that it actually does say a lot about taylor as an artist and you know shows her respect for her fans sammy yeah can i interject really quick because you're talking about some artists don't put their music on youtube for that reason they don't want it to get ripped but that basically means they're showing no confidence in their work and it's contrary to what taylor says they're showing no confidence in their work and no confidence in their fans that their fans are you know they're assuming that their fans will just steal their music which like i just said i steal some artist music but i would never ever ever steal taylor's art all right let's go with an artist that's a prime example this has happened multiple times with taking their music offline that kind of thing garth brooks Mm -hmm. so go ahead and attack that because well, Steve, can you embellish? 
Well, Garth Brooks, um, trying to remember exactly what his record label is, but actually one of the videos I put up on YouTube from uh, the ACM Awards when uh, George Strait and Garth Brooks came out and performed uh, got pulled off for copyright infringement from Garth Brooks' record label, which, you know, they got taken down, everything else like that. But you'll notice that a lot with uh, Garth's music out there is it's not on YouTube. Yeah, but Garth is also an example of that is that his music is also not on iTunes. So right. he doesn't and it's, want it's it kind of the same thing anywhere. though. He doesn't want it anywhere. So Yeah, although I, I think he did he just announce that he's changing labels and now that he will sell music on iTunes. That uh, I don't know if that's I thought he he's did, doing but I'm that not, or not. But, but, sure. but but point being, he is one of those artists that, you know, he does I would assume believe strongly in his music enough to want to share it with his, you know, fans, but at the same time, he doesn't because he doesn't want to put it online and you know believe that his fans won't share it like that but the itunes part kind of throws me off i'm not really sure why he wouldn't do that but um yeah yeah because i mean he's a big artist that's that's the kind of thing that's tricky to understand what you're saying on that because you know he's not just someone that he obviously believes in the music that he's put out there he just doesn't want it put out there digitally that's yeah and that's I think that that's kind of the same with Beyonce. You know, her last album, the way that it was released, was a whole big thing. And I think we've had that conversation several times. But if you, you know, right after the album was released, if you were to go search it on YouTube, it wasn't on YouTube. Like, there were videos that were like, oh, full album, and you would click on it, and there was nothing there. It was just silence of, like, links of, like, where you could download it, but all the links were down. Mm -hmm. Um, But Taylor is one of, you know, not few, but few artists that you can go online and her whole songs are on there you know it does say a lot to her character as an artist where she you know she talks about don't i don't underestimate yourselves or undervalue your your art she has it online and she knows that but but that's another a lot of the thing though is with the streaming services um taylor and even big machine for that matter a lot of it they were kind of against the whole Spotify thing to some degree. Yeah, they were. So, you know, now now we're saying, you know, Taylor's putting her stuff out there, and really she isn't. Yeah. Well, what it comes down to with Taylor, though, is she is a very unique artist in today's music landscape and has a very strong bond with her fans, more so than any other artist I can think of offhand. And what it comes down to, I actually want to quote a, a good friend of mine, an old friend of mine, a guy named Mikey. And if anybody has ever listened to MuggleCast, the Harry Potter podcast, if you've been a longtime listener, you'll remember him from years ago. He was a host on that show. And we were at a show once. The band was just – it was a small band called um, RX Bandits, I want to say. Have you guys heard of them? No, I haven't. Negative. No. Relatively small band, but still big enough to Are be playing Harry at House Potter of band? Blues. Uh, and they were friends of Mikey's, and I don't remember how we got on the subject, but we were talking about it, and something Mikey said to me has stuck with me ever since, and this was like seven years ago, seven or eight years ago. He said, if you support an artist, don't you want to fully support them? Absolutely. Yeah. And and that's that's what it is, and Taylor is able to be the eternal optimist, as she put it, and she's able to push the value of her work because her work actually holds value. It holds value to her fans. It holds value to her audience. And she can get that relationship where, like, Sammy says, I would never, ever, ever, ever pirate Taylor's music. And I think the same goes for everybody on our panel and probably for 99% of the audience listening right now also. I agree. I would hope so. 
Yep. Um, but it's also kind of interesting because if you play devil's advocate with with something like you know Taylor having her music on YouTube where basically anybody can access it for free, there are a lot of artists, smaller artists, but a lot of artists on YouTube that use YouTube as a catalyst for themselves and put their music out there for free for fans to hear because they don't have you know the backing of a label or whatever, and you know that does end up helping them. So it's kind of you know, a double-edged sword in terms of where, you know, when Taylor was talking about undervaluing your art, in some regards, for some artists, it's actually using, you know, showing your value of your art by sharing it with anybody and everybody. Well, Sammy, I think Taylor herself is so far disconnected from the startup artist because she's been so famous for so long now and selling her music. Um, Because for startup artists, you're right. It's a completely different set up in, in order but that's to also get... how how taylor started i mean her music was streaming for free on on myspace right well that, it's interesting you say that because you know to get to that point you're right artists do have to share it and that's why another quote i i love quoting people if you go all the way back oh to episode, I'm, I'm guessing rick, rick barker right rick barker episode yeah. 20 <laughs> of taylor talk <laughs> Um, Rick Barker is uh, Taylor's former manager. He worked with her during the Fearless era. Uh, I believe he was on tour with her for the Fearless tour. I'm not 100% sure on that. I know he was definitely involved with her at that point in her career. But anyway, he said something that also stuck with me. And he said that your fans have to get to know you. And that's what Taylor already has. Yeah. Is she's already got that familiarity and that loyal fan base where a lot of those startup artists, here's the thing. If I don't know you and I don't know whether or not I'm going to like your song and I don't have the confidence. You're not going to click it. You're not, not yeah, going to buy listen. it. Yeah. Right. I'm not going to buy it. I have to listen to them first and determine whether or not I like them enough to buy their music. But I don't Can think I- Taylor's actually talking specifically on that, though. No. She, she is just referring to when you make music to know that you have worth and value in that music, not, not particularly that you're giving it away for free. I mean, that's just saying that, you know, for giving it away for free for those artists that do it's to help springboard them up. It's just artists that are saying, Hey, my music's not worth anything. I'm just going to give it away for free. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's not what that's all about. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. Well, let's look at another quote in there regarding piracy taylor says music is art and art is important and rare important rare things are valuable valuable things should be paid for and uh, referring to other people i hope they don't underestimate themselves or undervalue their art right so with taylor again it's one of those situations i think she's a little bit disconnected it's like well first of all taylor your music is art Yes, hers I, I'm going to be pretty blunt <laughs> when I say a lot of artists out there right now, their music sucks. Yeah, but that still doesn't. I mean, it's still you know, art. Yeah, it, Taylor, Steve, Taylor Steve, is very specific on that. It's still a form of art, whether she thinks it's awesome, whether you think it's awesome, whether I think my, you but, know what I'm saying? Like, it's still art and it still deserves to. Yes, have and, value. yes and no, Sammy. Taylor's music is art. She writes it as an art and commercializes it. When artists jump, and and I use the term artist lightly because most singers on the radio are just singers. They're not artists like Taylor is. Right. That's something I want to be very clear about. A lot of them just sing songs that other people write and they're a pretty face. But that doesn't make them bad. Hang on, on though, Steve. (laughs) The point I'm getting at, though, is those are written 
for commercial purposes. They're not written to mean anything to anyone. In order for it to be art, in my opinion, it has to mean something to someone, especially the artist. I disagree with that because... No, if you disagree with me, Sammy, you're wrong. Hold on. But, Adam, but you could say that the person who wrote the song that meant something to them, but they gave the song to, like, say, Luke Bryant because Luke Bryant can sing on stage and the person who, like, wrote the song, for some reason, they can't do that. Yeah, I mean, like, that's the same thing with, like, okay, we'll use, like, Miley Cyrus, for example, or we can even use Casey Musgraves, for example. I mean, she was writing music for other country artists, and those country artists would perform the song. It's not their song. They didn't write it. And someone would feel some emotional connection to that artist and to that their song, even though they didn't write it. That's still art. Yep. I'm with you, Sammy. Well, here's the thing, though, then. I mean, you Then the me- real artist behind the song is putting their art the They're entrusting it to somebody else. And right. in, in that case, it's up in the air because then the value of it is purely dependent on the person singing it. But it's still well, that's art. how the music industry works. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, if someone else like, OK, I think we can all well all agree that we're probably not the biggest Miley Cyrus fans. None of us really, you know, are in love with Wrecking Ball. But someone out there, you know, feels an emotional connection to Wrecking Ball. Like Do we like song. it? No. Okay. Well, Diane likes it. She's I alone. I feel emotional connection to that song. I don't know about you guys. That's like I mean, the best song ever. But. Do I feel an emotional connection to it? No. Do I feel an emotional connection to Miley Cyrus while she is singing it? No. But, you know, Joe Schmo down the street might. It's still a valuable thing, just like Taylor says, but deserves to be paid for. Well, I think I some would- of the confusion of this article, <laughs> at least the first part, is she. when we're talking music industry... There's a lot of cloud over that right now saying that the music industry is, you know, in a tailspin and, you know, there's no value in it anymore. And I think Taylor is really just saying in this article, at least this first part, that, hey, don't shy away from coming in and making music if that's what you would love to do, because this music industry is not going away. It's changing, but it's not a bad thing. Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, that she also talks about how, you know, buying a physical album is still worth something because, you know, most people in the industry would tell you that, you know, the the production and purchasing of a physical CD is becoming obsolete. And I mean, purchasing a physical CD became obsolete a long time ago. Yes, but Taylor disagrees with that. And that then goes along with, you know, piracy. Uh, No, when she says album, that could refer to a digital album. Also, if you buy the whole album on iTunes, you're still buying the album. It can, but I don't think that that's what she means. Because then at the beginning of the article, you know, it has the images and the percentages about, you know, you know, physical CDs compared to digital downloads. I think she's talking about both. And then she kind of spreads out. But, you know, the way that she begins talking about this article, I agree with Steve, is that, you know, music in general and piracy and, you know, physical buying is the music industry becoming obsolete, quote unquote. Well, not obsolete. It's like Steve said, changing. And how artists adapt is going to be the key to success or not being not successful. Because a lot of them are following the tutelage. What's tutelage? That's a weird word. Expertise. That's a great word. Steve likes it. <laughs> I like it. Go. Taylor Go with it. Uh, Taylor talks vocab word of the day. Taylor talks vocab word of the day. Tutelage. Tutelage. Maybe I should look up the exact definition for you. Yeah, Probably. It's a tutelage. T-U-T-E-L-A-G-E. 
protection mm. of or authority over something guardianship so Ooh. it's basically someone Fancy. that oversees somebody so yeah, anyway yeah. a lot of the newer artists are following the tutelage of i may not even be using that word correctly to be honest <laughs> but so they're basically mean, like, following the lead of, like, of old school he... executives who are trying to run things the way they used to be where taylor is has so much more freedom in her label to kind of do things and adapt her way so she goes on to the next subtitle in the article called Arrows Through the Heart to talk a lot about the relationship with fans and things of that sort because that's where the industry needs to go if artists want to succeed. And that's something that every artist can try to attain whether they're on a label like Big Machine or they're on a, you know, a huge like Warner Brothers label. You know, the beginning part maybe not so much because, you know, like we discussed, the bigger the artist, the more they can, you know, overestimate or under uh, overvalue or undervalue their value of work. Um, but, you know, relating with fans is something every single artist can do. Right. And let's let's pull a quote from the article, a, a Taylor quote. We love these. <laughs> she said, we will cherish every album they put out until they retire and we will play them or play their music for our children and grandchildren. As an artist, this is the dream bond we hope to establish with our fans. I think she has that with her fans. Yeah, I think it's safe to say that she has that with her fans. She does, and Which that's is because... interesting, though, because from the way she wrote it, it sounds like she's not sure if she has that or not. Yeah, it does. But Which I think really that that's sweet, just actually. Taylor being Taylor and, you know, you know what I'm saying? Modest. Like, yeah. yeah. Showing some modesty. Yeah, I she's like, she well, well, I don't know, but... <laughs> okay, I hope so. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I think because this article, the whole thing is primarily about the direction of the music industry... I think she's basically just giving advice like this is what I try and do and this is what artists are going to have to do to survive. Yeah, and and I, it, it's it's I, I think a lot of this beyond Taylor and into the industry as a whole is why not just Taylor but country music as a whole has grown because I think country artists because a lot of them still do write their own music where in other genres it's a little less well a little less normal. Yeah, a little less normal to write their own music is why those artists are so much more relatable because Taylor acts like herself. She sings about herself and her fans relate. And that's why she has that bond. And other artists are going to have to figure that out. And I think that's what Taylor's saying is in the changing music landscape, you got to either figure this out or you're not going to survive. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I love when nobody can respond to what I no, say. I'm just, I'm just thinking because, like, you know, for me as a person who's, you know, been a fan of music for a really, really long time, I think back onto, you know, where I was, you know, fan wise when I was like, you know, kind of. You look, if you look at like the early ages of Taylor fans, which is probably what are like eight to ten, mm-hmm. probably the youngest you know, like solid Taylor, Taylor fan. And, you know, I look back at myself, wh- who I liked at eight, would I share their music with my grandkids? And at eight, I probably would have. At my age now, no. Like, I don't even think I would know any of the words to share them. But, you know, my relationship with Taylor as a fan, in terms of my, you know, how I relate to her music, how I relate to her is definitely something that has grown with me and will continue to grow with me 
uncompared to any other music that I've liked. And I think that that's the point that Taylor's talking about because she herself is also a music fan. And I think that Taylor can relate to that as a fan and as an artist. Well, you know, it's kind of funny about eight years old. I, I swear when I was eight years old, I didn't even really have my own music that I listened to. Really? Uh, You're such yeah. a music guy. Like, that actually really yeah. shocked me. But, I mean, but at, at that, that age, age, you listen to whatever your parents play. Exactly. I didn't. I didn't. I think that's actually something that seems to have changed lately. I think, do you agree with that, Adam? That lately it yeah. seems that in a younger age, people are experiencing music, at least what they would consider good music? Yeah. I Which think is, that that's... Hmm. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, that... Oh, I was just going to say, I think that that's kind of... I mean, I don't know that I 100% agree with the direction that some pop music is going in now, but I think that that has actually... A, a wonderful thing that pop music is doing now because it is so commercial and it can reach so many different levels of age, so many different types of kids and and people that, you know, the music these days compared to when I was eight years old, it has, you know, the ability to reach people. And, you know, there's always going to be music, you know, where, you know, an eight-year-old's mother would be like, okay, you can listen to this as opposed to you listen to what I want to listen to. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, I feel it, like... That would make sense, especially with uh, Nickelodeon and, and Disney. Yeah. I mean, that's where a lot of the early listening goes to when people watched Hannah Montana and then started listening to Miley Cyrus or yeah, like, you know, I feel Selena like... Gomez. Yeah. I just, I feel like when I was eight, probably when you were eight, probably when Adam was eight, um, not Diane because she was, you know, that age, but uh, there wasn't, you were, you know, Hannah Montana generation at eight. Oh, yeah. Um, No, I wasn't. I was like, there wasn't really, (laughs) there wasn't really music that I could listen to other than what my parents wanted to listen to. Like when I turned eight, there was, you know, a general instinct started coming into thing, Britney Spears. So, like, that was sort of the beginning of it. But, you know, even before that, there, wasn't really anything like Taylor where, you know, an eight-year-old could go to a concert with her 13-year-old sister, her 16-year-old sister, 18-year-old sister, and her mom, and it's everybody like it. You know what I'm saying? Like, Do you think it peaks too early then? Mm, No. Yeah, because it seems to be saturated after a certain point at maybe an earlier age than it would have been generations past. I'm not sure. I don't know. I think it depends on the artists that are around at that time. Adam, you're quiet. What do you think? I actually zoned out for a second. I'm really sorry <laughs> I about that. Did. What I were you guys know. talking about? <laughs> we were talking about this wonderful Wall Street Journal article. Oh, right. The Wall Street Journal article. What about it? <laughs> yeah. Talking about music when they're eight. And... Oh, that's think... probably why I zoned out. Were you guys still talking about like when you were a kid and what you listened to? <laughs> oh, my God. Really? Wow. Well, some host you are. Someone okay, catch I'm taking me up. over this. No, it's actually, that's... truth be told, I, I was actually looking something up. Um, <laughs> I was looking up something because I, earlier I was I was quoting, you know, remember I quoted Rick Barker earlier and w- yeah. forgot when he worked exactly with Taylor. So I looked it up. It was 2006 to 2008 that he was her Fair manager. Enough. Fair enough. Oh, okay. So Fair it's a little bit off years. topic, but I was being productive and trying to figure out because I don't want to uh, provide any misinformation if I can avoid it, but... 2006 to 2008 when he was her um okay (laughs) i'm very sorry about not listening to you guys but no it's all right and and if anything one thing we can touch on about how at a younger age you're influenced by your parents music taylor specifically points out in the article about 
her dad's love of the Beach Boys and her mom's love of Carly Simon, which, you know, that's she's performed Beach Boys songs during her tour. She and, said she uh, wants to walk down the aisle to a Beach Boys song when she gets married. Well, there you go. And then uh, obviously she had Carly Simon out and has sung some of her songs at previous shows. So, right. You know, parents do influence a lot of what their children's music, at least some of the background, may be. Yeah, for sure. I agree they do. With that. You're right. Now, Sammy, uh, earlier in the episode, you mentioned um, that whole idea of growing up with Taylor, which is a concept I've heard from so many different people while I've been a part of this fan base. Yep. Like you hear it from everybody. Well, not me, because I was already 100 when I found Taylor. But anyway, continue. <laughs> okay, then. Well, growing with Taylor. <laughs> but she does have a quote in this same section under the subhead, Arrows Through the Heart, talking about forming bond with a fan's. Or with the, I can't even speak today. Forming bonds with the fans. Forming a bond with fans in the future will come in the form of constantly providing them with the element of surprise. Now, the reason I point that out and tie it to that whole concept of growing with Taylor is because it's very strange. Earlier today, I was watching uh, Journey to Fearless with a, a special shout out here to Pierce who came to Vegas to visit. And we were watching Journey to Fearless earlier. And... In Journey to Fearless, going all the way back to the Fearless tour, she was talking about that element of surprise, and she still brings it up. So, therefore, what I want to point out is the consistency that she's always had. Yeah. So when people talk about growing with Taylor, I think there is another point going back to the previous quote about, you know, the dream bond, about sharing, playing their music for their children, grandchildren, etc., which is what you were just talking about, about parents playing or kids listening to their parents' music. And so just that consistency really helps also. And I think she's trying to reach out to other artists and be like, you got to do something for them. Yeah, that element, I, I agree with that. And then the element of surprise, she also kind of relates back to, you know, the piracy in terms of she talks about in the article about how she is aware that, you know, the first night of the Red Tour, the entire tour was on YouTube already. And, you know, in order to keep her fans on her toes, she, you know, added the secret song where she changed every night. And then during Speak Now, she had different covers every night. And, you know, I think that that's Taylor talks about this. And I agree with her that it is a good way for her to have a bond with her fans because her fans, you know, they know what they're going to get with Taylor because, you know, what you see is what you get. But, you know, in terms of her performance, it's always something special. Um, you know, she says that it's not shock value it's surprise value because she doesn't want to shock her fans she doesn't want them to be like oh my gosh what is she going to do next in terms of you know how she dresses or whatever um but she wants them to be surprised in terms of where her music is going to go um right whether... I, I think no I, go ahead. I, I think you're right with that with maybe even more focus in on the shock value of maybe the music and maybe not even everything else Whoa, that she does. Steve, she said not shock, but surprise. <laughs> well, that's what no. I'm saying. We're yeah, talking about saying. that when Taylor, for instance, when Taylor put out Red, she pushed the envelope with certain songs. You know, we had um, her collaboration with Ed Sheeran. We didn't expect something like that. Nope. And it was something that kind of pushed the envelope, showed that she was much more talented than we even thought that she was. You know, a shock value would be, let me do something ridiculous, like Taylor's album five. Like nothing, ride on but... a wrecking ball naked. 
pretty much no, anything well not i'm not even talking that kind of shock <laughs> i'm talking you know you could your album could be completely different than any type of music that you've done in the past maybe it's uh death metal or something like that for taylor's next album that's shock so like well, that's that's not shock? really and surprising Steve, there's, and there's a very the distinct there's a very distinct line between shock and surprise what taylor seeks to do is surprise her fans surprise is something that leaves a smile on your face shock leaves you saying what the heck did i just see what the heck did i just hear and that goes along with a lot of what taylor does both in terms of her music like steve said about how she's constantly pushing the envelope in terms of where she thinks she can take her music without shocking someone which we already established the difference between shock and surprise um but also in terms of you know how she performs every night with a different song or a different cover um and then also that that even goes into how she meets fans with in terms of you know tea party and club red like there's always that element of oh my gosh like this might be the night that i meet taylor and you don't know it you know what i'm saying like she Mm -hmm. tends to do that in everything she does and i think that she is talking about that in this article to not have other artists copy her because that wouldn't go very well because, you know, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, but nothing is imitated properly. It's always, you know, half of what the original person did, but to, to show other artists that it is something that they should think about in terms of their career, because it will help them be able to evolve as the music industry evolves for in 20 years and 30 years and 50 years. Well, here's an interesting question, Sammy. Mm-hmm. Who do you think this article was written for? Because we're all reading it and discussing it as fans, but really I think the advice should be really taken to heart by not just other artists, but because the music industry, as we've discussed in the past, is an industry, it's a business, other business people also. I don't think Taylor really wrote this targeted at the fans i think no she, she didn't at all business people she, she, she was printed in the wall street journal i, I don't she think did she... not at all because i mean there's other things that were in this arrows of the through the heart section you know involving you know people asking for autographs and things like that that were definitely not directed as fans i mean it's something that fans should read and should understand because it kind of and i think that this is coming at a time you know it's in between the two albums that you know some fans are on the fence they're like oh my gosh what if she's you know doing something completely different that i don't like and like you know what i'm saying but like at the same time it's also not for us not that we shouldn't read it but it was not geared towards us right well it does loosely apply to fans but it is mostly advice for people in the industry and i mean i've learned but but not specifically people in the industry you know it's not for fans it's not for the music industry or the business aspect of the music industry it's really about the future of the music industry the artists who are just starting to be up and coming or people that are even thinking to perform music in the future. Yeah, know, or is, even someone, you know, like a Scott Borchetta in 10 years that wants to create their own label kind of thing. This is the kind of stuff that someone like that would take into consideration. Well, now, I'm like just it, simply saying there's a lot for people to learn in here because, I mean, I'm sure we've all learned from Taylor at some point. But like this surprise thing, for example, like anybody that's ever bought a Taylor Talk t-shirt, I'm not going to spoil the surprise, but everyone that's <laughs> ever bought one from us knows there is a surprise in that package you don't just get a t-shirt i'm not gonna say what else goes in there. well they you don't, don't just know have that. to go I buy mean, one that's that you know that's like i said about you know the tea party or whatever like if you go to your first taylor concert you don't know that tea party is a thing usually at least you didn't during the fearless store sammy uh, <laughs> i'm trying to plug the t-shirts right now <gasps> Adam, yeah, no, no, okay <laughs> 
No, no, but T- Taylor's done a lot of this stuff, even to seasoned veterans of the whole Taylor community. I mean, for the longest time there, we thought, oh, Taylor doesn't tweet fans anymore. And then all of a sudden, she surprised yeah. and started tweeting fans and retweeting some fans. Uh, the whole Instagram, Instagram thing that blew up. The Instagram where, thing was crazy. That is oh, like the best thing she's ever where done. Where she was me. responding, <laughs> writing paragraphs and all yep. that to people. Still a thing. Yep. No, absolutely. I, she has this you know, surprise thing down pat. And I think it's something that, you know, like we just said, future artists need to understand, current artists need to understand, future, you know, CEOs of, you know, Warner Music Group need to understand, you know what I'm saying? Like, everybody can take away something from that. Um, Well, Sammy Taylor has it down because it's been consistent since the Fearless era. Yeah. Yeah. And she's always evolving it. It's never you know, the same surprise to the point where it doesn't become a surprise anymore. It's always, you know, she takes it one, you know, she does one thing and then she takes it one step further. Right. Now, now that we uh, totally shunned and shot down the fans pretending like this wasn't about them, let's talk about that. It's not for you. Stop listening. (laughs) (laughs) Now that half the people hit stop and stop listening to your (laughs) podcast, let's talk about the fans. Now we can talk crap about them because they're not here to listen anymore. Are we not going to be able to talk about the autograph section? <laughs> maybe we're Did we bad. already talk about that? Or well, just, we mentioned it. Like Taylor was say. simply saying that uh, the only memento kids these days want is a selfie. <laughs> it's part of the new currency, which seems to be how many followers you have on Instagram. Uh, basically, Taylor says nobody asks for her autograph anymore, and she's sad about that. So which if you see me... Taylor on the street, ask for her autograph. <laughs> and I will be the first person to tell you that when you look at a Taylor autograph, you have just a strong memory of her writing that autograph than you do looking at a photo of you and Taylor. Trust me, get the autograph. <laughs> and... <laughs> I would rather get a picture, actually. You're Why's you're that? a kid these days. Stop. <laughs> I guess. I mean, I guess kind of what she meant to say there is that which seems to be how many f- f- followers you have on, um, you know, because it's almost a like popularity saying, contest. You, yeah, it's like a popularity contest. Like if you get a picture with Taylor, you're going to get like 10,000 likes on your picture. Well, so when it comes down like, to they want to brag about it, it like, comes down I to social Taylor. proof. Yeah. It's proving this, that you actually met Taylor and, and people respect and admire that or yeah, envy and it. Is, it but it's, or, yeah. And it's also, you know, it's interesting that she wants people to get her autograph because, you know, so many times I've gone to Taylor events and all the eBayers, as we call them in New York and in L.A., um, are there trying to get her autograph to sell on, on, on eBay because it's something that you can you Oh, know, she knows who buy. those people are. Yeah, though. which is where the kind of the photo, you know, photo proof, quote unquote, came from because, you know, just because you can get an autograph doesn't mean that it actually happened. Now, why someone would get an autograph on eBay or Amazon and lie and say they met Taylor or whatever artist, I don't really know. But, you know, it's a thing. But, you know, her concept about, you know, how many followers you have on Instagram versus, you know, posting a photo with her or any celebrity then goes into the fan power section of this because then she went on to have, you know, this whole conversation or the celebrity spotlight, not the fan power. We'll get to the fan power in a minute. Um, But she went on to this whole conversation about how she had a conversation with an acting friend of hers that said that a part came down to her and another girl. And the, you know, the person got it that had more followers on Facebook or on Twitter. 
you know, so that it goes from the fans that are trying to get all these followers to the artists that are trying to get all these followers because that will then in turn create album sales, which would then get them more fans to create even more album sales. Right. <laughs> the more fans, the better. Right, Sammy? Uh, I did not say that, the nor do followers. I agree with that. Oh, right. Well, I was just kind of getting to the next Taylor quote I wanted to address, which uh, is a very interesting and unique concept that it seems like part of the industry has caught on to and part really hasn't. And that is that in the future, and this is where I disagree with Taylor because I think it's in the present, not the future. Yeah, I do In the too. future, artists will get record deals because they have fans, not the other way around. No, I think that's happening now. Too. Yeah, I mean, I think now. a great example of that is American Idol or X Factor or any reality show. The that- Voice. The voice, the what is the new one, rising star that creates an artist because of fans voting for them. Yeah, they. I mean, this has been going on for what ten years, twelve years. When when American Idol, American Idol, it's been going on since American Idol started. Two thousand and five, two thousand one, two thousand two. I don't know. Um, like like we said, I agree with Taylor, but I disagree because I think that it's happening now. I think it's already happened because yeah. I agree. That episode that we interviewed Rick, her old manager, was what, two years ago? Yeah, almost exactly. It was actually, it was two years ago as of a couple weeks ago. Um, And he actually said then, and I paraphrase, I can't directly quote it because I don't remember, but paraphrasing it, he said, there are lots of beautiful people in the world who can sing. What record labels are looking for now is somebody that already has an established fan base because that person can bring value to the record label and then it becomes a two-way relationship it's not that the record label does all the work for you like oh here's a talented person now let's make him into something famous it's that you actually have some value to bring to the record label yeah they don't want to start you from scratch anymore and that's for that's the same whether you're on a you know startup label like big machine was in 2005 or you know you want to be on warner music group it's exactly the same you have to have something for them you know, whether it's, you know, fans and like, you know, followers on Twitter or or subscribers on YouTube or whatever it is, you have, you know, the way the world works now in terms of the music industry is that you have to have them, you know, it's a, it's a 50, I can't think of the word right now, but it's a, you know, they, music record labels have to have something for you and you have to have something in turn for them. And do you know what's interesting about that concept that Taylor brings up about that? is that it's like almost like the music industry prior to this sort of revolution was actually archaic. Because if you look at any other industry, for many, many years, if you go and interview for a job in any industry, they're not going to hire you unless you bring value to the company. And now the music industry is finally catching up. Unless you bring value to the record label, they're not going to hire you. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because, you know, and I know Adam hates this artist, but I'm going to use her as an example Don't anyway. Don't do it. I'm going to because Why I have to. Arg, Sammy! <laughs> when, you know, someone like Lord or Iggy Azalea come into the music industry completely, almost, almost completely out of the blue. Like, they didn't have YouTube subscribers. They didn't have followers. It was like they were literally out of the blue. Mm-hmm. It, they're very, they're like, you know. I can't think of the words, but you know they're 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 an enigma to the music industry in terms of nobody knew them, and then overnight they had you know ten million followers on YouTube. 
or 10 you you know what i'm saying yeah, like that's very rare that doesn't yeah happen. it's not like that anymore um and taylor talks about that and i think that it's kind of interesting that you know when taylor started she had myspace fans and she had you know songs on youtube but she was almost the lord in that in that regard of not having anybody and then you know creating them overnight whereas now you have to have them in order to create something you know, right so well I, that could also be the location though too because i mean you're talking yeah. about new zealand and you're talking about australia yeah, that's true. And then it was in terms of it was kind of like Ed where like they had a popularity there and then they came over to America and it seemed like they just came out of nowhere, but right. they had right. popularity. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I can appreciate that. I'm glad you can appreciate it. Sam. <laughs> I just like your word choice there. <laughs> he, she's been taken after your tutelage. 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 <laughs> 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 So in the article, Taylor also discusses a little bit about genre distinction, and she says, in this moment in music, stepping out of your comfort zone is rewarded, and sonic evolution is not only accepted, it's celebrated. The only real risk is being too afraid to take a risk at all. I think That's that this awesome is quote. one of the few points in this article that she specifically had her fans in mind. And the reason I say that is because I am sure that she is aware that a lot of people, I'm not one of them, a lot of people are very afraid of album five in terms of, you know, they know that she's working with Max Martin again. And, you know, they're afraid that it's going to be something that they don't want her to do. They're afraid that it's going to be too far from, you know, where she started or whatever. And I think that Taylor is trying to tell her fans, you know, I need, I need as an artist and artists in general need to be able to take a risk with their music, whether it's, you know, go to some completely different genre or, you know, do something completely different in terms of writing the, her whole album by herself or, you know, God forbid this isn't happening, but God forbid not writing any of them, you know, any music at all on the album. Like artists in general need to, to experiment with that. I think she's also talking to artists and she's also talking to artist labels and future artists and blah, 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 blah. But I think that this is one particular point that was for the fans. Right. Sur surprise, don't shock. Well, <laughs> yes. yeah, that that is perfect, Steve, because if she keeps, you know, if her songs always sound the same, like no one's going to like it anymore because they're not being surprised by what she's putting out so she yeah, has to this take is, a, this take that's a, a that's a music. point that yeah sorry i don't mean to step on you oh, no no you're right yeah go ahead. um that's a point that i make to a lot of people especially on twitter not especially only on twitter um that you know when they say that they're afraid of album five that she's gonna be changing too much i say this all the time would you be listening to taylor in 2014 if she was writing exactly the same music that she wrote in 2007 I don't nope. think we would. No, I don't think you would either. Because, you know, who wants to listen to a 25-year-old, 24-year-old writing and singing about the same things that she wrote about when she was 16? I mean, you as a person aren't doing and saying and what, hanging out with the same people that you hung out with when you were 16. Why well, they would, would become listen? laughable if they did, Sammy. Exactly. That's my point. And that, you know, people, her fans, not all of them, I'm not putting you on the box, I promise, but a lot of her fans need to understand that and understand that she's not changing or staying the same for you, 
as a fan. She's changing slash staying the same or whatever she's doing for herself and for her career. And, you know, ultimately it's going to be your decision whether you want to go with the new or the old or the same or the whatever Taylor. Um, but she needs to do that. And she agrees that that's something that everybody needs to do. And that also goes along with, you know, genre distinction in terms of is she country? Is she pop? Is she country pop? Is she, you know, I, I don't know. What did we use before? Death metal artist, you know? Like, <laughs> no, she is Taylor Swift. We've already determined many times her genre is Taylor Swift. She is Taylor Swift. And she agrees that she is Taylor Swift. And she is, not pleading to her fans, but she is explaining to them that, you know, her as an artist or Joe Schmo on YouTube that wants to be an artist needs to take a risk with their music. And if Who's they Joe? don't, I've never heard of him. Oh, Adam. And if they don't, then it's going to be their music and their career that suffers. And but it's not only it's not only Taylor. The whole industry yeah, is absolutely. that way. Look at a lot of country music now that you would go, you know, Florida Georgia Line's a prime example. Absolutely. You hear them just as much on the pop stations as you do the country stations. Yep. And I think that that's something that, you know, country music in general is kind of starting to lean towards that like, yeah, you still have artists like, you know, you know, Danielle Broadberry that's up and coming or even like, you know, Tim McGraw or Garth Brooks that are still making pretty solid country albums but then even you know artists like brad paisley and luke bryan and miranda lambert her new album well yeah i I, it's definitely country and you know we're gonna sit here seven ways to sunday and is taylor gonna be on the itunes country charts yeah she probably will because she is still country but all country music well a bulk of country music is you know branching out into different genres because you know just like taylor says you can't stay the same it's you have to evolve and and that's not just to say only just country music i mean rock is becoming more pop and pop is becoming more you know edm or whatever you know all music is doing that and that's the only way to go and if you're gonna stay the same then you're gonna lose out and that's gonna be sad yes Yes. the end (laughs) the end the story of us Um, (laughs) so let's dive in because this episode's going really really long Um, (laughs) let's dive into this last section of the article subtitled celebrity spotlight where taylor talks a little bit about celebrities being in the spotlight and where that's going and And you know she says that she predicts that some things will never change and there's always going to be that increasing fixation on the private lives of musicians particularly younger ones and mentions how people who were at their peak in the 70s 80s 90s and things say to her we never had it as crazy as you and you know it's it's almost an unfortunate thing because as a society, there's an increasing fixation on the lives of other people due to social media, and, and that's only shows. amplified only for celebrities. Yeah. yeah, Because we have access, the thing is where they're saying, you know, these older artists are saying it wasn't this crazy for us. It's like, well, because there wasn't something like Twitter, then a celebrity like Taylor wouldn't have her life broadcast every day because she goes to the gym or to the grocery store. Yeah, and something that Taylor doesn't touch on, and not to get too much into this, because, again, we can have a whole long conversation about this, but, you know, from looking at photos of Taylor leaving the gym, of Taylor leaving her house, of Taylor, you know, whatever she's doing, um, if you compare that to, say, you know, like the ones of Jennifer Lawrence in France, I think she was in France today, or wherever she was, um, Jennifer Lawrence and artists, or 
actors and artists like that go out of their way to hide from the paparazzi and you know people like taylor i mean obviously she doesn't welcome them into her house but she's very respectful of them and in turn they are quite respectful of her i mean obviously yeah there are articles out there that you know we don't particularly enjoy reading as fans but ultimately compared you know to her to you know miley cyrus or you know jennifer lawrence like i just said or any artist out there that they tend to you know really really dive into their personal lives they kind of just let taylor be they take their photos she smiles for them she whatever she goes about her day and they leave her alone um and I think that Taylor does touch on that a little bit in terms of how she says that, you know, it'll be the same for the younger artists. And then she says in parentheses, God help them. Um, and I think that she also knows that, you know, compared to how it was in the 70s and 80s and 90s, compared to how it is for her, she knows that it probably will get, if stay the same, if not get worse for, you know, younger fans. And, you know, if you were to sit down and have a conversation with her, I suspect that she would probably say, you know, just let them do their thing. I'll do my thing and that'll be the end of it. Um, but it is, you know, something to I be I personally noted. predict it's going to get worse as time goes on because we've gotten increasingly nosy about people's lives. I think it'll get, yeah, I think it'll get worse because of how nosy we are. And I think it'll also get worse because people will get more frustrated with it. Whereas if you just let it be, it isn't as bad it's kind of like being bullied if you you know keep poking at it then they just keep doing it worse if you ignore them they tend well, to go away. An to answer your question as to how it could get worse um with increasing technology particularly location-based technology i think it could even potentially get to a point where not only paparazzi know where celebrities are going to be Everybody but fans is? know as well and they just get mobbed I, everywhere they go i don't think that that's i think that it that it's like that now i, I think mean, I think it's feasible. People know but... where Taylor's apartment is. People mm. know where Taylor's gym is. It's not hard. And I think that Taylor knows that, and she moved to the city anyway, where, you know, she probably has the least protection in terms of, you know, gated communities and things like that. But, you know... Well, if at you're the end of the day, she has to live her life. Yeah, exactly. She That's exactly where I was going with that, is that she can't hide from them. She, you know, that'll just cause problems. She can't, you know be physical with them or hide from them because that'll just make things worse. She has to live her life. They have to live theirs. Do I agree with it? No, but you know. Right. So Adam, speaking of uh, living her life, are we going to cover that uh, that very last couple yeah, lines? Yeah, I was just about to do that. I was just getting there. Hey, 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 calm down, everybody. <laughs> I was getting excited. I was getting calm down, everyone. So I, I was just going to sum up. So basically the article was Taylor's prediction to the future of the music industry, where it's going to go, where celebrities are going to end up in terms of being mobbed by people. Spotlight. And then she wraps it up by saying, and as for me, ah, oh, you'll see. Sorry, Spice Girls. <laughs> Anyone that got that, I, I, I got it. Spice World was okay. on this weekend. She said, and as for me, I'll just be sitting back and growing old watching all of this happen or not happen, all while trying to maintain a life rooted in the, this same optimism. And I'd also like a nice garden. You know what that <laughs> reminds me of? Well, Diane, do you know what it, it shouldn't remind you of, but like should just be blatantly obvious screaming? The lucky one? That the lucky one <laughs> is Taylor's imagination about where her life may or may not end up. She's going to choose the Rose Garden over Madison Square. Yeah, yeah. so that that's that. Um, I really enjoyed this discussion with you guys. I, I, I think it was a phenomenal article, and I think there was a lot of great nuggets to pull out, and we learned the word tutelage. <laughs> and it Thanks was just the highlights of the conversation. For sure. the That's all you got from this. 
But I really hope everybody has had a chance to read the article. If not, it will, of course, be up on um, taylortalk.org slash episode 142. There'll be a link there for you to click, and you'll be able to go directly to the article and read it. And, of course, because we talked about surprises, and I have to throw in a plug here, if you go to taylortalk.org slash store, there are still some small and medium Taylor Talk t-shirts available for sale, and there is a surprise in every single package. Yeah, the surprise is that Adam doesn't appreciate people that are only that are bigger than a size small or medium. Or actually, I appreciate them so much because they all ordered their shirts first, and that's why we're sold out of all sizes above yeah, small and yeah, medium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so I really hope everyone enjoyed that discussion because I think this was one of our better discussions. It was a lot of fun chatting with you guys. We don't have a whole lot of time here left because we're already longer than any other episode currently so steve since you've been gone a while i think you should do us the honor of reading our first mini segment submission all righty the uh, <laughs> first one comes from grace via email you know you're a swifty when you're on a walk with a friend when superman starts playing in the store nearby and you stop and freeze oh my god it's superman they never played that what is this life <laughs> and your friend stares at you that you're going nuts <laughs> <laughs> what is life when what Superman is, is life? <laughs> uh, I love our fans. They're so cute. They make me giggle. Um, so the next one is from Hannah via email, and it says, you know you're a Swifty after, when, after taking rather long Taylor hiatus, you decide it's the perfect time to marathon all of Taylor's music videos because who needs sleep anyway? What's you? a Taylor hiatus? I don't know. I've never gone on one of those. What does that mean? <laughs> Probably a period of time where you don't listen to Taylor's music. Oh, I've done that. Oh, Steve. Yeah. Who needs sleep anyway? Ew. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next one. Nozomi tweeted us and said, you know you're Swifty when you always try to get seat number 13 at the cinema. Nice. Good job. Our I seats here are not numbered. Some, at some places, I think they some are. Places. Yeah, I think ones that you Fancier can eat ones. at, they are like, yeah, okay. I try and get seat 13 when I can. All right. This next one comes from Red T Swift 13 via email. And they say, you know, you're Swifty when you call your friend's cat Meredith, even though her name is Thelma. <laughs> <laughs> Diane, next time I'm at your house and your cat's around, I'm going to be like, Meredith. Do it. She'll be uh, so confused. <laughs> do you know like, that you Scott Bruschetta said that he liked Olivia better than Meredith today on Twitter? Wow. Yeah. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> that's th th those are fighting words <laughs> that is a fighting word the meredith camp and the yeah, olivia team it'll be meredith, like team olivia yeah. oh my gosh yeah we gotta it'll make t-shirts that's what i was gonna say <laughs> Diane, you nice. do it. all right this next one comes from ipaul07 on twitter you know you're swifty when you bang your head when you listen to all too well ever since the grammys child yeah. i've been head banging since nice. march 13th <laughs> child <laughs> uh, the next one is from breakburned n22 on twitter you know you're a swifty when you go to your parents office and fax other companies various pictures of taylor oh, no. whoops wow. oh <laughs> you win um, gold were star mad at yes. you because yeah that as sammy said wins a big gold star that is funny <laughs> that's great can you fax us one of those because that's funny yeah do we have a fax number for taylor talk <laughs> No, Why no not? fax number. We're not that old school. It's very archaic. You gotta pay. Adam has, I was just gonna say that. What? 
I was just going to say that. Do we have a Taylor Shock pager? No, no pagers, no beepers. <laughs> So thank you, everybody, who submitted for that segment. Keep them coming for future episodes. We'd love to hear from you guys. Now, what would Taylor do? Our recently defunct uh, um, mini segment. segment. So, Steve, have you been on since what would Taylor do came back? Uh, No. Now, let me ask you this. You've been on the podcast for what, almost a year and a half now? Uh, Probably. About a year and three months, year and four months, roughly. Um, Have you ever been on an episode with a what would Taylor do? I don't believe so. Do you even know what it is? I assume it has to do with what would Taylor do it's, in situation. It's, well, that shows yeah. how long they've been gone for, and now they're back. But it's basically where people submit hypothetical situations, and we analyze the question, what would Taylor do? So, oh boy, I don't know exactly how to pronounce this. Cariel? Cariel? Cariel. What would Taylor do if she had to pronounce this name? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, so I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about the pronunciation. I really am. But the question that they submitted via email is, what do you think Taylor would do if Tim McGraw wrote a song called Taylor Swift? What do you think it would be about? <laughs> That's actually pretty funny because going back to Journey to Fearless that I was watching earlier today, Tim McGraw was on there and he's like, people sometimes forget I was the first Taylor Swift victim <laughs> in a song. Oh, yeah. oh, I missed that. I missed the video. <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty funny. So what would it be about? I would say if he wrote a song called Taylor Swift, it would probably be about watching her grow from his opening act to the massive star that she's become. I would agree with that. And I don't know if it would necessarily be like it might be called Taylor Swift, but I don't think it would use her name in it. It would all be very metaphorical and just describing the growth. Kind of like how Tim McGraw is, except she is his Tim McGraw, but. It's not about Tim McGraw. <laughs> right, right. So I nothing can, like Tim McGraw. I could also see her see him writing a song called Taylor Swift and having it somehow connecting back to his, you know, because his daughters are quite young. Well, they're not that young, but, you know, 16 and I don't know how old the other one is. Um, but I could see them him writing a song about watching them grow and using Taylor Swift as a, you know. Role model? Yeah, role model reference gauge of, you know, growth. Sort of like, I hope you grow the way that Taylor did. Yes, exactly. That's a creative that. thought, I Sammy. I like grow, that. I hope you grow like Taylor Swift. Aww. Oh. <laughs> we need to get this to Tim McGraw. <laughs> Yo, Tim, isn't he here in Vegas? Does he still have that show here? No, he's, he's not close. Oh, not what a now. bummer. I never I got to see you him. You missed it. Um, You're- if I ever meet Tim McGraw, I'm going to tell him he should write a song called Taylor Swift. Good call. All right. So <laughs> thank you for asking that question. I'm sorry I couldn't pronounce your name. Cariel? 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 Like, maybe it's like Cariel. Maybe like it Ariel. is Carol, but just a unique spelling. Like but either way, we really appreciate you submitting that. You'll have to uh, email again and maybe phonetically spell your name so I don't sound like such a dum-dum next time I try and say it. One last segment before we go. What are Swifties listening to? Diane, what are Swifties listening to? Well, Swifties are listening to a song called Not In That Way by Sam Smith. Hey, he was a special guest. I did submit that. Diane submitted it. He was a special guest in England. He was. He was. So definitely if you get a chance, go check out Not In That Way by Sam Smith. It's very sad just to warn you, but he has an amazing voice, and the song really like um, shows that off. 
so that's why I like it. Well, thank you for that submission, Diana. You're welcome. Now, if any of you out there are looking to submit any content to the show, whether it be a response to our main discussion, a mini-segment submission, what would Taylor do, what are Swifties listening to, you know there are a plethora of ways that you can contact us. You can, of course, email us, taylortalk at taylorswift13.org. You can tweet us, Facebook us, Taylor Connect us, or ask us a question on AskFM, all to the username taylortalk13. You can leave us a voicemail or a text message to area code 240-31-SWIFT. If you're outside the U.S. and you don't want those long-distance fees, you can, of course, leave us a voicemail right on the website, taylortalk.org. There's a button on the side that says Send Voicemail. Click that button, leave us a voicemail, and uh, we might just play it on the show as long as you know that it's coming to us and not to Taylor. So thanks for that. We look forward to hearing from you guys for future episodes. But that just about does it for episode 142 of Taylor Talk, the Taylor Swift podcast. My name is Adam. I'm Diane. I'm Sammy. And I'm Steve. Saying have a great week, guys. We'll see you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Bye. See ya. (laughs) This podcast is not directly affiliated with Taylor Swift.